Hey, welcome to the club. Before we begin, I'd like to introduce our podcast and explain what we do. We will go over mysterious and unsolved cases, a bit of the paranormal, and of course, conspiracies. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcast provider. Also, a new episode of The Cloak comes out every Monday. So don't forget to join the conversation on Facebook forward slash The Cloaked Podcast and catch us on Twitter at The Cloaked underscore. And don't forget to like and rate us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends. And now on with the show. <laughs> the one who's Jewish. Well, yeah, the Jewish one. <laughs> the Jewish boy. I'm, so I'm gonna have to edit all that out because that sounds a little uh, anti-Semitic, maybe. No, he was Jewish. Well, this is facts, but sometimes even people fucking mistake facts for, you know, whatever. God damn, politically correct bullshit. Twenty-three of the shutdown. The longest in American history. Day 23, <laughs> and then there's people still struggling out there. Uh, do we have any updates on the um, hacker group? Um, the Hiscock group uh, gave confirmation of the hack, stating that the hackers have been able to gain access to confidential files of the law firm that advised the company that had mostly likely gone uh, litigation files that were related to the terrorist attacks. So it now has been confirmed that the hacks that took place from this hacker group um, are actually a fact. They did, in fact, uh, stole these files that uh, could potentially have, um, uh, we call it these damaging data for a lot of the government groups that they allegedly have. So again, the hacker group is uh, called the Dark Overlord. Um, They have these 9-11 papers, and again, supposedly it's a damaging um, documents that can cripple the American Foundation. So layer one has already been released. Layer two uh, container, they want um, the, the Bitcoin money, they... Like, what did you say how much they wanted? Two million. Two mil. Basically, two million. Overall, I guess they do it in a layer. So, 50,000 in Bitcoin and then 100,000 for layer three. Uh, Layer four is a million. And then layer five, they want two million. So, I guess, I don't know if this is the new update um, for what they want for each tier now. So I think the the biggest thing they're trying to get through because you said it was litigation, right? Yeah. So right now there's a bunch of families from 9/11 that are trying to sue Syria because 15 of the 19 hijackers came from Syria. Who came from Syria? Yeah. So the the act that they're trying to get rid of is the Foreign so- Sovereign Immunities Act, which pretty much says that we, a person that's affected by a, like a t- an act of terror or war right. can't sue the country from where those people came from. So that does sound s- crazy that they're suing a country, but I mean, what does Syria even have left these days? A lot of money. Yeah, but Part like, are you going to get it? Yeah. You know um, what I mean? Like, interesting factoid, though, on the Dark Overlord. Yeah. They're hiring. They're hiring. Oh, yeah. wow. Look, um, they probably <laughs> have the funds to hire people. So they... they um, they had a job posting. They had a job posting on LinkedIn, no by doubt. By a cyber threat intelligence company, Digital Shadows. Digital Shadows. Mm. They're looking to fill the last of four vacant positions. They have four vacant positions. They're looking for somebody Amazing. with a winning attitude. Oh, wow. Winning yeah. attitude. Um, specifically hiring software designers and systems engineers with at least 10 years of experience. 10 years of experience. That bring innovative <laughs> approaches to operations and can think outside the box. Amazing. Wait, Corporate on. aspect of it. Isn't Sai doing an interview tomorrow? Oh, oh Sai is tomorrow. <laughs> he sure is. That's the reason he's not here. He's about to go super underground. <laughs> he's about to go super underground. He's very corporate structured, me. by the way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, who knows? Um, they pay really well. They pay really well. How much yeah. are they paying these days? The Overlord offers an annual salary of 762 k 
Wow, that's Payable based... after a 90-day probationary period, naturally. Well, question, but... Wow. Okay, what? Dollars? Or... Bitcoin? It's Bitcoin. It's not. Well, it's no. K. It's not, It would have been BTC if it's Bitcoin. It's K. It's probably some of those euros, Kilax or whatever this other it's currency another, is called. Another uh, cons, cons. I think there's another one. Um, who knows? But who knows how much of that is worth? You know, the Ripple is pretty high up these days. I'm surprised yeah. they're not being paid in Ripple. Uh, what is Glass uh, Glassdoor uh, <laughs> review on <laughs> that? Uh, they, they've been reviewed at Glassdoor. So, again, the guy's interested. Uh, the job posting is where again? Uh, I'm not sure where it is, but let's see. Dark Skies. Digital Shadows. Oh, Digital Shadows. Oh. the company that's put dot, it. Dot org dot some foreign country. Or no, that was discovered by Digital Shadows, but they did have a corporate job posting. Oh, it's corporate. Oh, well, I mean, uh, they weren't too clear about uh, if they offer like dental benefits or pay time off. I'm, I'm pretty you sure, know, you know, benefits. You're getting paid that much. It's gonna be out of pocket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay your money. Um, Get you some of that Obamacare tax, on your own. Tax. Uh, you could decide if you want to pay your taxes or not. You know, based on that uh, amount of money. Which, if you work for this type of company, you probably, you probably don't. don't. And your your bank account's probably some foreign country, more than likely. You know what I mean? Did you guys hear that uh, the U.S. is going to become the third largest economy in by twenty thirty? Are we the fourth largest? No, we're the first right now. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But we're going to be taken over by India and China. That makes sense, you know. <laughs> we got to move. Yeah, we got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> I mean, Canada is just, you know, right down the street, so we could always go to Canada. And they have recreational marijuana, so... That's, I mean, you know... But they don't have enough for a year now. I mean, what? They don't have enough for a year. Oh, man. You get in on that. I'm starting. Maple I'm syrup. Oh yeah, that maple syrup. <laughs> as we seen in a documentary, um, there was a what is it? A, a, uh, it was a heist it's like the maple of maple maca, syrup. Like <laughs> it's it's pretty intense when it comes to maple syrup in Canada. I mean, yeah. you know, Is that the one where they stole like five million dollars worth of maple yes, syrup. Yeah, <laughs> it was like you know what? <laughs> they take maple syrup very have serious. Have you had real maple syrup though? It's, it's legit. It's, it's I have big. some. Have some smoke. It's bad. It's Canada sees it that way. How'd you get the barrel? Costco. <laughs> How'd Costco get it? Costco. They're part of the heist. Um, anyways, uh, let's, let's continue to our main topic. I'm your host, White Owl. Hey, it's Pandora. This is Hoffman. Uh, and Sai, again, as you had uh, paid attention, tomorrow he has a major interview at a... Some kind of shadow company. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> but our topic for today is the Son of Sam. Now, Son of Sam, as you know, is a David Richard Berkowitz. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Uh, yeah. Born in 1953, also known as Son of Sam, uh, back in the summer of, what, 77? And so, back in the day, I mean... You know, you you're coming from a time frame where the '50s, the '60s, and the '70s were pretty uh, pretty crazy. I mean, because you had also uh, you got your Zodiac Killer back then, and then prior to that, you had your Texarkana or the Phantom Killer as well. Uh, but a son of some son of Sam. Now he had a gun, so he was gonna shoot you. So if you ran, you're fucked because you're gonna get hit. He went by other names: the 44 caliber killer. Mr. Monster as well. He has six life sentences. Sentences? Sentences. Per kill. Yeah, per kill. So six victims, wounded seven. Uh, his span crimes were started from the 76 to July 31st, 1977. Um, again, his weapon, obviously, a 44 caliber bulldog revolver. Uh, and he was apprehended on August 10th, 1977. So it was one of those few killers that they were able to uh, to capture. So he obviously... And he also did arson, didn't he? he? Or was connected to arson? He was connected to arson. Do you... Well, what are the... What's the information on the arson situation? I mean, I didn't see a whole lot. Other than once he was caught, they said he was implicated in a lot of unsolved arson cases throughout the city. Yeah. So, I mean, he was just fucking shit up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, what would you call that? I think he just snapped. You think so? But, like, it's probably one of those people that, like, they they were already prone to being that way. And then circumstances led to 
him more being, undoing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just found something interesting. So he was also adopted, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the handgun itself was actually illegal in New York. What do you mean? That uh, type of uh, handgun? Yeah, it's for illegal for a civilian to own. But uh, he came... Uh, what is this? Houston, Texas? In June of... Nine- 1976, so the year that he actually started killing people, to purchase a uh, handgun. Yeah, and he rode a bus all the way back to New York. Damn, he came to Texas just to get a gun. Now, again, uh, son of Sam, David uh, Berkowitz, had a rough life. Again, he was adopted. Uh, his He was a son of a Jewish mother uh, and a Catholic father. So, so what what is that is that is that rare? You know? No, I mean it's not rare, but there's a lot of I mean there, there, there could be conflict or contradictions because there's a lot of people that uh, convert to another religion. Yeah. For the marriage. It's crazy because like I'm, they both both of his parents had affairs, <laughs> which is crazy, right? And then it's the uh, 70s. yeah, drugs. <laughs> yeah. And so she refused to accept her pregnancy at the time. And she decided that adoption was her only option. He had a very unique uh, childhood growing up, you know, unlike any other uh, children who sometimes bounce around from family to family. Berkowitz quickly found a new home uh, with the Berkowitz, so hence his last name, um, who were Jewish entrepreneurs living in the Bronx. Oh, the Bronx. Um, they had attempted to have the children of their own. Again, they weren't able to, and so they adopted David. Uh, his real name is Richard David. Um, they both worked at this agency. Uh, well, David, the father, adopted father, was adopted. So very different childhood from possibly any other serial killers. Because some of the other serial killers, they come from like they come from a broken home, right? But it's usually like they have firsthand at what kind of destructive relationship they have as yeah, both of the parents. So what do, do you have any information on him growing up as a, as a child? Well, he lost his adoptive mother kind of young. Early on? Not super young. Like he, I think he was like, what, like 14? Yeah. And then he had some issues afterwards because the, the home life was a little strained because I guess his father remarried. Yeah. And so he didn't get along with the second wife. The second wife. The, the new mom. Um, as, as most, I guess like most kids that uh, come from that situation where, you know, you, your parents or um, whoever you end up staying with, with, with most kids ends up being the mom. Yeah. And you have a problem with the dad coming in, the new stepdad, so to speak. Well, 14 is a weird age to get like a step parent. Yes, you know I mean? because you're... It's like those... Teenager years, yes. and then your rebellion, like exactly. Yeah. So, it's like, so again, he has this like. You're not my mom. You can't yeah, tell like me what to do. A stepmom at like you know five is probably a little easier. Yeah. Than like at fourteen. Yeah, and so then we skip ahead, very ahead. Um, so <laughs> the first the first uh, date uh, recorded by the police as uh, the first attack of Son of Sam. Uh, occurred again in July 29th, 1976, uh, which later uh, Berkowitz himself admitted to the attacks. Now, because again, he was caught. After he gets caught, he kind of confesses to like all the other things he did. It's like, but wait, from, there's more. Yeah, so all the things he, he, had, he had done. And so he himself later admitted to these attacks that began, uh, some of them he claimed that began much later, but again, you know, he, he attempts, he's the first attempt to kill two women on Christmas Eve back in 1975. Um, so again, after he's arrested, he kind of confessed like where he kind of started. Um, so uh, Berkowitz told police that he attacked these women uh, with a knife. Uh, despite his uh, <laughs> extensive search, police found no evidence of these attacks. So even though he confessed that he tried to attack these two women with a knife, police were like, yeah, but we don't have any evidence on that, even though he's admitting that he tried to kill someone. Well, I mean, this is also the, the 70s, so New York was not a friendly place to visit. Yeah. So it wasn't the safest city. So, yeah, it, it being not the safest city, but, like, the fact that these police were like, well, we don't have any evidence that you actually 
even though you're the one confessing that you did attack these women, even though we they have, uh, they have statement where the second woman apparently did go to the hospital and later recovered, but she could not describe her attacker. So this whole thing fits. So they couldn't link it. But they couldn't link it, even though David was saying, yeah, but I did it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. Somebody else, somebody else, else did it. If you don't fit the description, the woman said, you know, the guy was skinny. You're fat. <laughs> but it, it's been like four years, man. I had a lot to eat. <laughs> uh, comfort food. Who knows? Um, but like still, like... The fact that they were like, oh, yeah, you know, you just don't fit the scenario and the description um, that she could barely give. Even though his details of the attack were, like, right on. Um, so he had, he claimed that he attacked the women and committed other crimes but refused to give police the details after they didn't believe him. Uh, so he lived in the Bronx, in Yonkers, and other neighborhoods in the NYC. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was just a, a thing on Comedy Central, like the Crank Yonkers. The crank yonkers? <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually a real neighborhood. Oh, right. um, that sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, some believe that he is responsible for dozens of other attacks. He didn't give any other information after that. Um, they weren't able to. I guess, like, say, oh, he did all these other things, even though people were kind of reporting that, hey, there's these other attacks that were made that he could have done um, that could have been linked to him during that time frame. Because just based on the dates from then to, like, it's a first official attack in July of 1976 mm -hmm. uh, from 75. Uh, there was other attacks in between, and they tried to link some of these other people that did reports. Try to link it to him, um, but they weren't they weren't able to officially link it to him. Um, so there were other like uh, knife attacks and other uh, it, type of like. It could have just been him trying to figure out like how his you, trial period, so yeah, to speak, right? Yeah, like trying to fit into like how do I do how this? do I do this trial you know, trial you know, and error. He wasn't like. The military during yeah. the uh, right before uh, Vietnam. Apparently, he was a excellent and proficient marksman, which mm -hmm. comes into play later on. Yeah, well, this is one thing he he quickly realized that he's not good with the knife. Kind of fumbled that up. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not very good with the knife. Uh, I'm gonna go get it a gun. It was like the movies where like people get stabbed and they automatically they go down. Yeah, but it's more like they don't they, they leak. But here's the thing: as you're like trying to stab someone, they can also run away. Uh, also, your adrenaline is going, so you don't you, initially feel those or you first slashes. Initially start bleeding immediately. Yes, you also get that, cut and, and then not bleed because you're you know. You're like, what the hell's going on? And then ah, yeah, you start yeah. gushing out of nowhere. Uh, as I've gotten many cuts in my hands before. So, I know this. Who, who, who have you killed? No one. I mean, I've gotten my just, cuts, my own cuts, <laughs> own, own, <laughs> own injuries. You know, I fell in a bottle once. And so, you know, I know about that. How do you fall in a I was playing soccer in the streets, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was the goalie. Anyways, uh, so he quickly realized he was not very good with a knife. And so, he went on to using a forty-four caliber Bulldog revolver. And now, as Hoffman says, he went down to Texas uh, to pick up this revolver, which he took a very long bus ride uh, to go get it. <laughs> Later, have his attacks that officially he was able to gun down his victims. He ramped this up extremely quickly. Uh, Donna, Laria, and Jody. Yeah, yeah, so that shooting. So that shooting uh, started in the Bronx area. And uh, Hoffman, what do you know about that one? Well, they were just parked in a vehicle waiting outside an apartment. Mm -hmm. And he just came up and blah, blah. Just shot out. Blah. And so this happened around 1.10 a.m. That um, was random. But, like, see, on on that case, he quit his job as a security guard. like, And then the next morning he went and did this. Well, he was working as a uh, postal sorter. Yeah, he went postal. <laughs> Prior to working security, I mean, do you think that what that's what triggered him? 
Well, he quit. It's not like he was fired. Yeah, he wasn't I think he was fired. Like, he just had something. You, he was like, you think you know maybe what? he just this wasn't happy? Maybe he just wasn't happy with his life, and so he went on a destructive path. Uh, but the scenario sits like this on this. Uh, Donna being 18 and Jody being 19. They sat in an Oldsmobile, um, again, in front of a friend's uh, apartment. And Lara, uh, Laria, is that how you say it? Laria? Opened the, the car door to leave it open and noticed a man quickly approaching the car. Startled and angered, the man suddenly, again, this is how it's stated, appearance, she said, now, now what is this? And a man produced a pistol and just started shooting at them. Um, he braced one elbow on his knee. Wow, this guy really like went for the aiming. So this is how it's, uh, he he. Uh, um, <laughs> this is the way this is the way it's written. Um, he got down on a knee. He got down on a knee. He braced his elbow and then he started firing. So this is like a marksman. Sh- how a marksman shoots with a pistol. Yeah, but you're like a point blank range. I know. You're just <laughs> you're really. He's like about three feet from them. I mean, come on. Uh, so he, I guess, shot at them. Um, Larry was struck by one bullet that killed her instantly. Uh, Venti was shot on her thigh. The third bullet missed both women. The shooter then turned and walked away quickly. <laughs> I could see him. Because he was just like one of those like fast walkers, you know, kind of like. You, I mean, jogging was a thing in the 70s. Yeah, right? <laughs> he started jogging his way out. Uh, so, I gotta catch my cab. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna miss my train. I miss my train. <sighs> of like one of those like what do you call those joggers uh, or walkers? The speed walkers. Speed walkers. Yes, that's mm-hmm. funny. I mean, he was speed walking, and so Vanti um, again survived her injuries, and she did not recognize the killer. She wasn't able to describe the killer. She just says white male in his thirties, fair complex, five foot nine, um, weighing about one hundred and sixty pounds. That's Hair funny. was short, dark, and curly. That sounds like me. I mean, is it? I mean, is it? Yeah, yeah I'm about that. Yeah, that's that's it's describing me right now. <laughs> it is describing you. Mm. I mean, I don't know your weight. I'm not heavier right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but I don't know it. <laughs> so, what was his next his next victim? Another couple in a car. So he's going. It sounds like he's going to have a couple. But so, what happens in this one with Carl? Yeah, tight. Denario and Rosemary Keenan. So he he was jumping around at this point, right? Right. So he didn't want to just keep it in the Bronx. He went to another borough. Yeah, another borough. Well, October 24th, he struck again, wounding 20-year-old Carl Denaro as he sat in a car and was talking to a female friend in Queens. So there's a very interesting uh, detail on this. The part that I found that it was interesting is that the part that Keenan's father was a twenty-year-old, a twenty-year-old veteran police detective from NYPD. Um, I think that's what really caused the intense investigation during uh, these shootings, mm-hmm. and so that kind of ramped out because, again, at that point, um, that's like, well, you know, your your dad's like, in the, he's a police, yeah. and so hey, there's this, there's these like twelve shootings. This is like the second set of shootings that's happening. And so that kind of prompted to uh, for the NYPD to, of course, launch a, a more thorough and bigger investigation for this. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that that definitely, um, at, at that part for that, for those two victims, um, is what really kind of took off and spelled the, um, the, uh, the investigation well, for some Well, it's so random, sound. too. It's like pe- people that aren't doing anything, you know, a lot of them are really young. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to see the motive for something like that. Denario said um, when the shooting started, he felt like the car had exploded or something. Like I guess, like his hearing with like yeah. um, on the head. Yeah, and he and it's that he he just felt like the whole thing exploded, and so and that his description of that. Uh, so Denario had a shoulder length hair, and police later speculated the shooter may have thought that he was a girl. And so he thought that maybe it was a couple. He was... It almost sounds like he was kind of like... I'm not going to say it's like the motive, but it almost sounds like the Texarkana type of thing. They're in a car. It's a couple. Maybe there, there was a bit of motivation there uh, going after couples. You know what I mean? Whether it be something depicting his his uh, his relationship with his father and his stepmother or maybe his personal relationship that he had with a, with a woman or whatever. 
Yeah. Uh, or maybe he was a closet gay and he just <laughs> didn't want to come out and he just wanted to shoot some people, you know? Well, I'm looking at some stuff. There, during the 70s. Right. Uh, actually, the spring of 1975. So this is right before like his shooting starts. Uh, the city had actually ran out of money. So a lot of like uh, jobs for the city. Yeah. So uh, how do I put this? People that like clean up uh, garbage men, people that do uh, like services. Like service for the city, right? Yeah, they're out of work. Yeah. Or they're, they're not getting paid. Similar to what's going on right now, and what ends up happening, the crime rate starts to go up. So 1975. The number of homicides just in New York City was 1,645. That's 20 per capita. That is that larger than the average national occurrence? Well, just 10 years earlier, 1965, that number was 634. So it definitely skyrocketed. Yeah. You know, and probably the loss of jobs. But like, he didn't lose his job. He quit. He quit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so well, he had a type that he liked to shoot too. And I've been trying to figure out like if there's anything to do with like his any correlation to his personal mom life? or like his actual mom or his adopted mom. He hated oh. couples. Well, because well, he was going after women with uh, long dark hair to the point where women at the time in New York started to chop their hair short and dye it blonde because they realized that 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 was like his mo. Like he right. always went after women that fit that. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out like like you, you're trying to figure out like what was okay, what's his type, and not just this woman, but it, what's his, also his reasoning behind it. Yeah, is it on a personal level where it's like him personally, he had a girlfriend or something, and something happened, like you know whether she cheated on him or you know maybe again he wants to be the this uh, woman in the size and a brunette. You know, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, you know, trying to like, figure that out. Uh, so I guess his next set of victims were uh, Christine uh, Fruin and John Dial. Is that how you say that? Dial? D-I-E-L? Um, <clears throat> during the early morning of January 30, 1977. Now, Christine and John, John being the fiancé, you know, engaged... Uh, they were in the car near the Forest Hills of Lear Station, again in Queens, and near a dance hall. Three gunshots penetrated the car. In a panic, John John drove away for help. Uh, he suffered minor superficial injuries, and Christine was shot twice and died several hours later in the hospital. Neither victim saw the attacker. Um, or attackers. They weren't sure if there was like multiple people or it was just one. Um, but uh, unfortunately, Christine died uh, from her from her injuries, which sucks, man. Because you know they're they're engaged. This fucking asshole just comes out of nowhere and takes your significant other like that. I'd, I'd um, be more pissed about the last movie you ever watched being Rocky. Hey, Rocky was a decent, good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Being that you're the person that died, your last memory on Earth was Rocky. Rocky. That's uh, what I mean. I don't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean for. Uh, it could have been. It could have been. Maybe being scared as fuck, and also um, <laughs> none of the police were looking for. They thought so. Then so what they what they kind of they said um, they thought that maybe they were looking for multiple suspects and so this kind of like well fuck now maybe we're looking for more than just one person or copycat or copycats could this be related or not and so the next um that took place after the uh after the christine fruin and john deal shooting in january 30 virginia i can't pronounce that Vor, vor, Voschrichian? Wow. Voschrich. I don't know what y'all are trying to say because it sounded so different. Virginia. Voschrichian. Sure. Let's go with that. Voschrichian. Sure. Virginia Vosk. This is short in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was 19 walking home from school. So my, my assumption would be that it was probably during the day. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if they did night school back then. When she was confronted by an armed man, mm-hmm. she lived uh, about a block 
from where Christine Fraud had been shot. And in a desperate move to defend herself, she, she lifted her textbook. Oh, right? shit. Yeah, nice. And, and she's at a shield. Yeah, well, it looks like the the bullet was able to go through oh, all her it's, textbooks. Oh, because it's a high caliber, yeah. Plus, he's over there going down one knee and taking like a. Dude, going no, super pro. Like, like pointing the gun right at it's far, yeah, yeah. at. yeah. But I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's like trained he's, to shoot people. I wonder if he like laughed while that. Because I mean, he's demented at this point, right? Just a little. And yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not to laugh at the, at the shooting. I'm just reading at the description of a resident who was, uh, I guess, turned to the neighborhood as this had occurred. And he nearly collided with this person. He then describes the person as being a short husky boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. That's not you. You're not short and husky. Anyways, this short husky boy who was about 16, maybe 18 years old. Uh, clean shaven, wearing a sweater and a watch cap, uh, was sprinting from the crime scene. The neighbor said that the youth pulled the cap over his face and said, Oh, Jesus, and he sprinted by. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, oh, Jesus, and then sprinted and seen the teenager as well as another person matching uh, David's description. Uh, loitering before that, I guess. And he's a chubby teenager. So he, nobody saw him as like a man. <laughs> he was a chubby teenager. <laughs> so now they're looking for maybe multiple suspects and a chubby teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, and looking for the unfortunate murder of, um, you know, of these people. Which is, again, that kind of makes sense with his... Uh... Uh, that's kind of what I thought so when you read the descriptions, that's what I th- that's what I th- was thinking. Oh, he's this young man. This this is his height, and you know the weight based on the height weight itself. You think he's okay? He's a short husky guy. You know that's what you think. And I mean, no, Hoffman, you're not a short husky guy. Is husky like a department for like little for, kids clothes? For chubby kids, right? Yes. Like in boys, it's, it's the way a department for a clothing store, you know. Softens the blow of calling you fat. <laughs> He's a husky, but I think of a dog. You it's know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same words. I don't know how it's like any less offensive. It's the same meeting, guys. It's not cool. <laughs> it makes sense though now because it says uh, I, I found some stuff that happened like once he was caught and everything. <laughs> once he was caught. Uh, he was he, caught eating a hot dog down a foot long. <laughs> continue, continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, so he was. Uh, he said he was lashing out in anger against the world that he felt had rejected him. Because he was fat. Because he was husky. He was husky. So he was shut down by many women, yeah. turned down because he was a short husky That's what he guy. said. He felt particularly rejected I knew it. by See? women, which could be one of the reasons why they said he specifically targeted attractive young women. But I mean, because he it's all mommy issues, honestly. Right. Oh, yeah. And definitely. then probably he looked like a little chubby teenager, so he got rejected in dating, too. It was a chubby teenager... Uh, so, I, and then, so now we have the police, you know, launching this big investigation, um, you know, with the, uh, you know, one of the kids um, being, his father being in with the, uh, with the uh, NYPD. And so the press and the media, the media, uh, I don't know. And so March 10th, 1977, a press conference with the NYPD officials in the New York City mayor. Um, declared that the 44 Bulldog revolver had fired and shot killed Laria Vosk. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say her name's Vosk. So obviously, strongly suspected it was the same killer, and that they were looking for this individual. And so the description again was short husky kid that they were looking for. And so the, again, again the, the crimes continued, and the next. The next unfortunate couple was Alexander Sal or S Sal E S A U. Now, for those who know how to pronounce that, uh, and Valentina Serrani. So the the shooting occurred at three a.m. April 17, nineteen seventy seven. So they were sitting outside again in the car outside the house in the Bronx. Um, a few blocks from the other previous shooting of Laria uh, and Valent- 
Valenti shooting. So he's not even trying anymore. He's not. He really isn't going far. So if you live in this he neighborhood, back home. he's a chubby kid. You know how difficult. Puffing and puffing down the street. His like, thighs are probably rubbing. He's shaking, causing friction. He's this fat, chubby kid. So and look for so, the, the chubby teenager with shaped thighs. Right, shaped thighs. <laughs> yeah, put tape on them, man. <laughs> put, put some deodorant. Some, deodorant sometimes helps. Some running tape. From what I understand. Uh, thank you, Michael, you heard Sarah. <laughs> no, I heard, I heard this from Michael, Sarah. Remember in that, did you know? Good movie. Um, yeah. Police said that the weapon used for the crime was the same as... And he's not even changing weapons. He's just considering just using the same weapon. It's, it's so difficult to get a weapon in New I, York. I guess. You know, he, he was in Texas. He should have shopped around. I mean, it's Texas, right? Again, repeated theory. Same man responsible for the caliber 44 murders. Chubby teenager uh, was the, still the person of interest. Regardless, as the witnesses say, it was a dark-haired man who shot Lara. And was and Anne Val- Valenti, who was considered the suspect. Uh, we later then have the son of Sam letters. Um, <laughs> this is just where it gets really weird. <laughs> Hoppin, can you read the? Uh, can you read the letter? I or say goodbye and good night, police. Let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be I mean, back. is that where they got that Terminator thing from? I'll be back. I'll be back. I mean, to, if you say it in that, <laughs> I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yours in murder, Mr. Monster. So he was naming yeah, himself. Shitty penmanship. I'm Just, telling you. This. <laughs> we had like really long letters though. Like that's just like the, a part of it. It's just the final page. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah. It, it was just like rambling. So what was the rambling? Yeah. I'm not gonna read it all. No, well, no, just <laughs> like and. Synopsis and that on. letter, like, he starts off by being, like, that he's hurt, that he was called a woman hater, but then he goes on to say that he's he's not, he's a monster, and then he refers to himself as Son of Sam. Right? Yes, he, he gave his self woman. And he misspelled, he's he spells not, woman well, as woman, like he, demon with a he, W. He kind of stopped learning at a very young age. Well, he was smart, but he was just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, he, he didn't He didn't care. Not care. Yeah. So he doesn't have excellent... Uh, Spelling, Spelling or penmanship uh, skills. Yeah. The women of the women. Queens are the prettiest of all. The prettiest. Sounds like a real ladies' man. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he just rambles and it, he has this whole like backstory on like how he's being influenced by a possessed dog and. So give us the the. See, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it though, because then like the dog told him. He said the dog was a demon and 6, a neighbor's dog. And I the dog, the dog was possessed. And the dog somehow convinced him to do these. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if he was like really mentally ill or if he was just kind of like faking it, because he eventually ends up saying it's a hoax. Yeah. But I mean, he's clearly a little like messed up in the head, you know. So I don't know. But <laughs> they started blaming it on uh, Scottish people because some of the phrasing in there. This is horrible. <laughs> horrible. They thought it sounded like a Scottish accent with all the misspellings. It hurts, Sunny Boy. Like who says things like that? Uh, me me hoot. <laughs> it hurts, Sunny Boy. Like what? And you start thinking, was this on purpose? We're looking for a Possibly, fat, yeah, a chubby teenager who's maybe Scottish. Scottish. <laughs> It's going to I mean, kill too. He wanted too. a ton, but maybe he wanted to mislead. Oh, he wanted to mislead. That way you yeah. can continue killing. Yeah. And then he's writing these crazy letters that he says is a hoax of entry. But I mean, if you're thinking like you might get caught, wouldn't you want to be considered ins- insane? Yeah. As opposed to just like well, you I mean, what you're doing. After the police received all this, he they kind of like submitted this to a um, um, a psychiatrist. Who then they gave were able to give a psychological profile of the suspect, right? Um, so they described this person as neurotic, probably suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, and believes himself to be a victim of a demonic possession. So there was a handwritten letter from someone who claimed to be the 44 caliber uh, killer or the shooter that was sent on May 30th, 1977 to the Daily News. Now, the letter was postmarked early the same day as the Inglewood 
uh, in New Jersey. So um, there was another letter, and, uh, and this one had folded really well. He was trying to name himself during this entire time. The Duke of Death. The Wicked of King Wicker. Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess somebody just said, no, we're the just going to... 22 Disciples of Hell. What's going on here? So Sam the like, Terrible. Grandiose titles there. Yeah, like, he wants some something grandiose for. Hey, hey, calm down, you chubby little teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it I is know. a little narcissistic. Yes. Yeah, um, at the end of underneath Son of Sam, there was a logo sketch combined with several other symbols. So then, I guess with all the stuff that was being drawn and depicted within this letter, the letter was sophisticated in its wording and presentation, especially compared to the crudely first letter written before. The police then suspected to have been created by an art studio, a similar professional location. So they started uh, going after printing, calligraphy, and graphic design places. So what did they speculate that the killer was? Somebody working at DC Comics. <laughs> uh, so whether they recognize... The, so they went after people uh, in the comic world trying to see if they recognize the lettering and the depiction of the graphics mm-hmm. to see if they knew or they had any idea um, who this person may have been. Um, because The Wicker Man was a 1973 horror movie. So again, they went... Trying to figure out, okay, who is this guy? Uh, is he just a, some like fat chubby fanboy, or you know this person who works within the industry, or who is it, right? Uh, so they're trying to suspect and try to figure out who is this uh, fucking kid. So and then so the next unfortunate victims were Sal Lupo and Judy Placido, um, that which occurred in June 26, and uh, that's the other shooting. Uh, which had the, it was in the Alphas, Alphas discotheque in Bayside, Queens. And uh, again, they were uh, sitting in their parked car around 3 a.m. when three gunshots were blasted through the vehicle. Right, that's how you said so it? The guy got shot yeah, the guy the got shot in the arm, shoulder, back of the neck. Both victims survived their injuries. Lupo told police that it was a. Oh, they had been discussing it. And then it happened to them. It's that's so crazy. Uh, neither Lupo nor Placido has seen their attacker. So he's like coming, uh, some kind of blindside, or they're. They're so interacting with each other. They're not paying attention. They're not paying attention to the surroundings of this guy coming through. So another report described a blonde man with a mustache who drove from the scene, a Chevy Nova. (laughs) You think he was wearing a wig? Yeah. Yeah. And so you think he was wearing a wig? And then so the first anniversary of the initial forty-four caliber shooting approached uh, with Stacy Moskowitz and Robert. I'm not very good with these fucking names from New York. Moskowitz and Robert Violante. Okay, so... (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah. And so both... Jewish and Italian names. Both 20 (laughs) parked underneath the streetlight in City Park neighborhood in Bath Beach. They were making out, kissing when the man approached. I guess he shot four rounds into the car, striking both victims in the head before he escaped into the park. Uh, Moskowitz died several hours later in the hospital. Uh, Vaughn survived, although he lost vision in one eye and retained very limited vision in the other eye. So he was almost completely blinded. He's, yeah, pretty much. Ziano uh, caught uh, was happening, and so he was able to capture... Uh, with uh, his peripheral vision, that it was a 25 to 30 year old uh, average height, maybe about five foot seven, five foot nine, shaggy hair, dark blonde, light brown hair. Uh, Zeno said that he thought the shooter looked like he had a wig on. Yeah. So then we have it's the same guy, he's just trying to disguise himself. Uh, yeah, but he's still a short, so. stocky fella, and uh, you know, so obviously it's the same guy, right. And so he's trying to kind of cover himself from his uh, his the way he's attacking. Um, let's see, where the fuck am I? So uh, about a minute after the shooting, a woman seated 
next to her boyfriend on the other side of the city park saw a white male who was wearing a lightly colored cheap nylon wig yeah so he this is him pretty much running away from the scene but goofing up yeah he's being yeah. recognized yeah and so the description is that he looked like he had just robbed a bank <laughs> I could envision this, uh, you know, short, stocky young fella uh, running or fast running, um, running from the scene of the crime, heavily breathing. He might be having an asthma attack. Uh, who knows? And so. But she did the smartest thing ever. What did she do? She wrote down his license plates. Nice. And so what happens after that? She got part of it, so... She wasn't able to write down the first two characters, but it was certain that they were either Ford Screw or Ford... Ford Screw. For, it's Ford G-U-R or Ford G-V-R. Um, apparently, after the car sped away, there was uh, more gunshots. And at least two witnesses describe a yellow Volkswagen driving quickly through the neighborhood with the headlights off. So, he panicked. And he's driving a yellow Volkswagen. Yellow Volkswagen. That's, I mean, I don't know how many of them there were back then. (sighs) Not not a whole lot. But that's all. But I mean, you're sticking out, you're sticking out like a... Sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like with someone wearing a really cheap wig. Or a chubby fella at school. (laughs) It's about to get bullied. Short, chubby, (laughs) cheap wig, bright ass car, like... (laughs) Damn, you're just like... Dropping the ball. Yeah. Um, it's funny how they describe him as a grubby looking hippie um, with a, a wiry hair over his forehead dark eyes wearing a denim jacket uh, so you're like yeah this is the this is the chubby kid uh, so and then he went on to describe him as uh, so Thomas Scaddy stated that he was sitting at the Alley Pond Park on Winchester Boulevard uh, Borough in Queens uh, it was at dusk with a female friend with a yellow uh, when a yellow Volkswagen Beetle approached his car door and from door to door he only about three inches apart from his vehicle his, he claims which did not have its engine running Scotty kept on the an air gun under his seat on the VW approached his car the VW driver was met with a gun pointing straight at him at first he appeared to be light-skinned black male, he thought, uh, stalking over his face. The driver of the VW quickly started his car and uh, scattered and chased the car to a point in Glen Oaks, Glen Oaks, Queens, where the driver jumped out and ran. So again, this dude followed him. He followed him. With an air gun. With an air gun. He did not want to leave his female passenger to give to the chase, so he telephoned Son of Sam Hotline. And so Detective Richard Carroll from the Son of Sam Task Force, Scally, former baseball coach, I don't know what that has to do with anything, uh, later told Scally that he had indeed seen Son of Sam in Glen Oaks and later revealed that uh, the home of Berkowitz's sister uh, was close to the site of the Donna DeMasi and Joan Lamino shootings. So he's probably, what, holed up in his sister's place? Yeah. And then just kind of doing his shootings in that area? So during the investigating of the description of the car and them trying to figure out, they sequentially dazed um, into it. They determined that there was 900 Volkswagens in New York or New Jersey, like both of them. Yeah. And they had plans to trace each of these cars to their owners. What, what leads eventually to his capture? So this is July 31st when the last attack occurred. And it was only about a week uh, later. Right. On August, 20, no, no, on August 9th, 1977. Berkowitz, it wasn't Volkswagen. It was a four-door yellow Ford Galaxy. Which is a small vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's just not as round as the... Uh, the Volkswagen. Yeah. So they mistaken the vehicle. All actually started because he parked his car. <laughs> He's got a ticket. 
You got a ticket. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So just like not paying your taxes, getting a ticket. Yeah. So what leads to this? Well, this is the final showdown. I mean, there was a lady that was, uh, she was out there walking her dog. That last shooting he did with Moskowitz and uh, Volante. Yeah. She's out there and she saw that an officer had been ticketing this car close to like a fire hydrant or whatever. So she notices this. And then moments afterwards, this young man walks past her and he kind of gave her like a weird look. So she, you know notices him and then she feels concerned because she's he's wielding something in his hand like a dark object right he's wielding it this is stupid enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she runs runs home and then she hears shots fired behind her in the street and she stays quiet about this for like four days until she finally contacts the police and that's when they look into who had gotten the ticket who got a ticket that night yeah so it turns out that his 1970 four-door yellow Ford Galaxy, which was one of the cars that they had ticketed and mm-hmm. investigated. Right. It, you know, they tie it back to him. Right. So, yeah, I guess that kind of spurs the the suspicion about him. Yeah. And um, when they start putting two and two together, they... They fear, realize that, that this is probably our guy. Yeah, there's like too many coincidences, I guess. Um, and they end up realizing that his car was parked on the street outside of his apartment in 35 Pine Street in Yonkers. So then they see a rifle in the back seat, search the car, they find a duffel bag full of Ammunition. like his ammo, yeah, maps of the crime scenes. I guess before like you know having a Google Maps or something like that. Map <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then they they waited to obtain a search warrant for his apartment, worried that the search might be challenged in court. The initial search of the vehicle was based on the rifle that was visible in the back seat. Although possession of such a rifle was legal in the state of New York, uh, it required no special permit. The warrant still had not arrived when Berkowitz exited the apartment building at about 10 p.m. He entered the car. Detective John Flatigo uh, approached the driver's side of the car. Flatigo pointed the gun close to Berkowitz's temple, while Detective Sergeant William Gardella pointed his gun from the passenger side. Uh, a paper bag containing a 44 caliber Bulldog revolver of the type that was identified by ballistics tests was found next to Berkowitz in the car. Detective John Fligo was officially credited by the New York City Police Department as arresting officer of the son of Sam. Well, this is when it gets to the uh, the arsons. Because when once they did do a search of his uh, apartment, they found diaries that he had been keeping since he was 21. Oh He'd been burning shit for a long time. Like <laughs> He confessed to over 100 arsons. <laughs> yeah. Some he never got caught for those. Like, they didn't even know about that. Yeah. Uh, and then during this confession, he, he gave it up in 30 minutes. So... <laughs> you know the worst, like, <laughs> He was, criminal. like, extremely competent, but incompetent at the same time. Because it's like, he got, that or the cops were really incompetent, too. Yeah, also that. I mean, he got away with so much for so long. Yes. But, as soon as he was caught, he just He's spilled like, the ah, beans. Hey. Bag. <laughs> they didn't even have him on the arson. It's like he was waiting for somebody to catch him so he could brag about yeah. it. Yeah, he was. You know? I don't know. Moron. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, and then at the end, after his confession and all that, uh, he claimed that the car, car's uh, black Labrador, the neighbor's black Labrador, again, was possessed by an ancient demon... Um, that I guess com- gave him commands to go kill people, and so he kind of blamed that um, him doing all these crimes on that. So for the sentencing, he was trying to plead insanity for this because they can't kill someone that's insane. Not, it's yeah, considered cruel right. and unusual punishment. So on three separate occasions they gave him mental examinations and he was found to be competent to stand yeah. trials. So couldn't even fake that. 
So yeah, the uh, he tried to kill himself though, right? Or he tried to jump out. Yeah, I mean the lawyers were trying to do that. They they were trying to tell him to plead insanity. So it's probably like all part of an act, just like. But he refused. So it said doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Um, so he was or he wasn't crazy? Like I mean, he, He's saying that he's crazy. He's saying he's, he's crazy. He's trying to claim that he's crazy. They're telling um, him that he's not crazy so he can stand trial. And he's refusing to plead not guilty for the reason of insanity. Yeah. Um, he's like, I'm he crazy, went, but that's not why I did it. But then he yeah. went on, on, on like doing other things. Like in, So in 1979, he... Mailed a wood a witchcraft book to the police of North Dakota, North Dakota, um, that he had underlined several passages, written a few marginal notes, including phrases, and so, um, Arliss Perry, uh, Arliss Perry, hunted and stalked by and slain, and followed by the California Stanford University, uh, a nineteen year old and. North Dakota newlywed who had been murdered in Sta- at Stanford on October 12, 1974. Her death, wa- her death and the notorious abuse of her corpse in a Christian chapel on campus was a widely reported case. Berkowitz mentioned the Perry attack in letters suggesting that he knew details of the perpetrator himself. Local police investigators interviewed him by the now 2004 and believe that he had nothing of value to offer in that case. So he tried to, he was trying, no, not not trying to take credit. At this point, he's trying to reach out for anything um, that, hey, I know about this. To to, leverage, To leverage or to get a lighter sentence or to get uh, time out of this. I'll cooperate with my intel on this. Yes, but he had no, He no, he had none. And at this point, I mean, he just was pretty much reaching out for whatever he whatever he could uh, to kind of get himself out. You know Wait, what I mean? I just realized something. Hmm. He's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. He's up for parole like every so often, but it's always been denied. He was up for parole in, uh, I think, 2018. So maybe don't talk too much shit about him. Yeah. yeah. You're not husky. <laughs> You're highway proportionate. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. You're never getting out. Do they have podcasts in prison? prison? Probably. And they have access to the internet, right? So I'm assuming everything that's said about him, if he's really, truly narcissistic. He probably knows probably. about it. Probably. Maybe this is a bad idea. <laughs> nah, man, fuck it. We're in Alaska. He can't come up here. What if he breaks out and the first place he goes to is Alaska? What are the odds of him getting picked up in a plane? So he's actually turned down several uh, parole hearings. So he'd rather stay in there? I guess. I mean, what does he have going for him outside? What, he what, he can, he, what he can he do when he, if he gets out? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he does So he, book. apparently in, back in 2004, he actually reached out to the mayor then uh, about his parole hearing not to grant him parole. So he doesn't want to come out. Yeah. So every two years, he actually is being given parole hearings. And he's just like, no. Yeah. So, um, as some of y'all may or may not know, he's the reason why we have uh, the son of Sam Law. Uh, It didn't exist until the arrest and later conviction of the killer named, same name, obviously, uh, David Berwitz, uh, who reached out to a priest, journalist, and several writers not long after the beginning of his prison term. It helps to finding someone to help him write his biography. He also accepted money from people to do interviews over the phone and in prison. Rumors spread throughout the city later around the world that book editors, authors, publishing houses offered him thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for the rights to his story. New York was the first state that enacted Son of Sam Law. Uh, but many other states quickly follow suit. The law initially prohibits those convicted of crimes from profiting off those crimes. So NY bans criminals from obtaining any sums of money for talking about their crimes or selling off their stories for a period of five years 
Any money that the inmate makes goes into the account that later goes to the victims of those crimes. In the case of Berkowitz, any money he made would directly benefit the survivors of the families of his victims that did not survive. Um, he does have a, a book, though, and he has a movie. He did have a movie, He yes. has a website run by his supporters because what? he's not allowed on the internet, in case y'all are wondering. No, great. Yeah, I feel better um, now. <laughs> he likes to go by Son of Hope these days, though. Because he's a born-again Christian. Most likely, oh, yeah. No. yeah so, yeah, he has... Uh, Ariseandshine.org if you want to check it out. I'm checking that out right now. <laughs> he had a weird yeah. snap moment, I think. Well, because I was looking into like his, I guess his uh, origin story. <laughs> right. So, I don't know if he grew up thinking like his parents were his parents, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, at some point he found out that he was adopted. But then I think he thought that his birth mother had died giving birth to him mm -hmm. which is why he ended up being adopted right but then he tracked down his birth mother meets her I don't think that went well mm. and then he realized that like she just didn't want him right he was a product of an affair or you know just not wanted for whatever reason it's, yeah so that made him feel you know like extremely not wanted not wanted even more yeah even more and rejected. that's when I think shortly after that he started his Rampage, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would have that Russell would have done it like crisis, yeah, I because guess. he didn't, he doesn't know who he is, yeah, you know, being tossed around. He was, he was just, shouting in his trial, Stacy was a horror, which is <laughs> his, his mother, yeah, <laughs> so like mommy issues, Stacy was a horror, really bad issues, uh, really, yeah, yeah, um, fuck, man, yeah. Um, so he was. That's why he was going after people who kind of resembled his mother, or couples that could have resembled like his parents. Yeah. Birth or adopted. He should just have, like been handing out condoms or something. I know, right? Seriously, <laughs> shit, man. That could have been also the thing he could have been doing. Yeah, uh, it's like killing people. That's only the therapy. Yeah, he, needed, <laughs> he needed a lot of things. Um, oh look, I found his mugshot though. He uh -huh. was five eight, two hundred and twenty five pounds. Yeah, I thought he was more stocky than one hundred and sixty. I was like, there's no way he's just that in 160. Yeah. The, <laughs> um, man, people were way off. Uh, they couldn't find him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, when shit like that happens, I mean, people grasping the details of some things, it's kind of difficult. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, remembering such details. You know, was he was he white? Was he black? What was he wearing? Well, he's wearing like a stocking over his head. Yeah. You don't know like, um, what his choices when you and, and then also when you wear baggy clothes, you just don't know. Um, and also, you can always change your hair, dude. That's the other thing too. Um, but even like details and descriptions of like hair color, how short or long was the hair? What kind of hair was it? Straight, feathered, or curly? Whatever. Um, so that's like a whole other thing too um, when yeah. it comes to those type of uh, descriptions so getting all that accurate is pretty difficult especially in the moment when you're like you hear gunshots or you know something some shit goes down you're in a panic and you're moving around getting those kind of details is kind of like very uh, sporadic and scattered well, it can know? also be from the uh, actual uh, interviews with a cop technically they, they can be uh, misleading questions Right. So they could be gearing the, the uh, conversation to go in one direction. One direction. Your train of thought is going elsewhere. And when they ask you a question, everything they were remembering can be manipulated. Or Manipula I mean, because you, your your memory isn't isn't set in stone. It's malleable. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it could also have been the fault of the cops themselves. Yeah. Are you sure he wasn't short? Short. Tall, you know, so then you're like, well, maybe he was six foot. Maybe I'm wrong. It's one of the first things that they ask you like with anything. Height. No, it's right. was was he black? Was he white? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, His it skin color. Comes down to race. Yes, always yeah. comes down to race. He was black, so he was like over six foot, right? <laughs> like what? That's not what I said. <laughs> like, what are you? No. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of those things could definitely be uh, misleading. Uh, also, as well, stereotyping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's almost um, like they're leading you to, you say know, to yeah. type of 
say he was this, but without really like actually having you say it. Yeah. Um, what are you guys' closing thoughts on this? Interesting, right? It fucked up in many ways. What a little bastard, man! Honestly, yeah. what a little piece of fat chubby shit. Well, no, I mean, because it, it's easy to, to go around shooting people. It's very cowardice. Yeah. It's like somebody didn't learn to deal with their emotions. Because, you know, like, bad shit happens to everybody. Yeah. Not everybody turns around and, like, goes around killing people. Right. <laughs> the light over there just turned on. I was like, what the fuck is that? Over there? It's on a timer, man. Relax. Uh, I don't know that. It's like nighttime. It here in Alaska. Is, it's it's dark. always dark all the time here in Alaska. Um, <laughs> you hear noises and you think it's Bigfoot. Um, so... Yeah, man. I mean, this guy is crazy. Obviously, a lot of issues. Definitely just has to stay locked up. Lock him up forever. No, I think he wants to. Yeah, I don't think he wants to come out. Like, I think he's probably, like, come around. Because I don't think he's crazy. You know, I don't think so. I think he knows. He knows, he knows. what he did. Know what I he think did. he's like, I have no future outside. And There's maybe no point he's remorseful, but either yeah. way, he doesn't want to come out. Yeah. Know, he's just, like, just going to stay here. Definitely. Free, free, free health care. Yeah. Free heart surgery. Yeah. He gets free medication from the state. Food. He doesn't have to worry where his next meal is coming from. Um, He has a, you know, shelter. Some of those things. Oh, now, maybe. I mean, who the fuck knows? I mean, someone's giving him money, obviously, like, to to buy shit Mm -hmm. from inside prison. From his commissary account. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. So... (laughs) hopefully you enjoyed this episode again like and share give us a five star rating wherever our podcast is and again um, thank you for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode again a shout out to the people on other countries outside the US Canada definitely uh, New Zealand Australia Australia keep going strong um, and then of course a lot of the Latin American countries uh, Brazil they're still looking for that fucking guy in Brazil um, so oh, Bruno. Uh, Bruno yeah and so they're listening to this podcast trying to say do these guys know um, so if you know let us know <laughs> let you know if you know let us know uh, in the UK we have some people um, thank you for listening and again share and like our episode and our podcast and share with other friends so and we'll definitely hear from you hopefully in the future and we'll see you on the next one laters